What is up everyone? It's Quinn here and in today's video I'm going to be going through the best waiver wire targets that you guys should be keeping your eyes on heading into week three of the NFL season. I'm going to be talking about the top targets at every position. So running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and then also some streaming defense options heading into week three. Um, if you guys enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. These are going to be players who are available in 50% or more leagues using the uh, ESPN waiver wire. So some of these players, you know, may be rostered in more competitive formats, but there will also be some deeper options that I talk about at each position. Um, and let's just jump right into it. We're going to start off with the running back position. And I feel like we got to start it off here with Zach Moss rostered in just under 30% of leagues. And I was kind of talking about how I expected Zach Moss to operate as the starter, but I didn't think he would step in after missing week one and just be like the locked in number one guy. I thought there would be some sort of split going on. Not only was there not a split, this is honestly the craziest usage I've seen since I've been like making fantasy content, which I think has been like three seasons. Now running backs obviously used to be force fed much more than they do you know, over the past few seasons. But Zach Moss played on 56 out of 57 snaps. The dude left the field once the entire game, and another running back didn't even step on the field. Um, when he took that playoff, I think they went four wide receivers, one tight end. So he was the only running back who played on offense. He ran a route on 33 out of 35 dropbacks, had 18 carries for four targets. I mean, that type of usage is literally absurd. It's pretty much unheard of in today's NFL. He needs to be rostered because regardless of how good the Colts offense looks, even if uh, Anthony Richardson misses the next game with a concussion, that type of usage, you know, just has to be started. If he can hold on to that, he's definitely a very interesting option for fantasy moving forward. And obviously, I mean, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't end up playing for the Colts, he also just becomes a great option long-term on your uh, on your roster. So someone who probably should be the uh, number one claim this week um, if he is still out there. Now the next running back that I'd be looking to target would be Justice Hill. And I'm actually surprised that he isn't rostered in more leagues after we found out that uh, J.K. Dobbins would be out for the season. He's also rostered in just under 30% of leagues. I kind of talked about how I expected this to be a pretty gross split between him and Gus Edwards. But between the two, I do think Justice Hill is the better option moving forward. He had a 57% snap share, a 59% raw participation. He outcarried Gus Edwards 11 to 10, and then had three targets to Gus Edwards zero. We did see Gus Edwards get into the end zone, but uh, Justice Hill actually took three of the four goal line snaps. So I don't think this is like a situation where Gus Edwards is going to be the goal line, you know, touchdown scorer moving forward. I think they're probably going to see a similar workload on the ground, but Justice Hill just has way more upside as a pass catcher. So I think, you know, if I had to choose between the two, I would definitely be going out and getting Justice Hill. Now, the next running back is going to be Matt Breida, rostered in just over 1% of leagues. And unfortunately, late in the uh, Giants game in week two, Saquon ended up suffering an ankle injury. Not sure how severe it is yet. Um, the reports that I've heard, you know, at the time that I'm recording this, is that it's some sort of sprain, but they don't believe it's structural damage. But, you know, a high ankle sprain could still mean four plus weeks of missing time. I think if Saquon did miss time, this would probably turn into a split between Brita and uh, Gary Brightwell, but I would favor uh, Matt Brita in that split. So, you know, he would be the guy I'd be looking to add uh, over Brightwell in this offense. 
Then we're going to move over to Tajay Spears, who's rostered in 12.9% of leagues. And this was just another game where Spears was decently involved for the Titans. He actually outsnapped Derrick Henry in week one. He didn't outsnap him here in week two, but 37% snap share, still very strong. Eight carries, two targets. He has weekly involvement. I mean, who knows? He may continue to eat into the opportunities or Derrick Henry could go down. He slides in as a great option. Just someone who should definitely be rostered in more than 13% of leagues. Then moving over to Roshan Johnson, he's rostered in 28.9% of leagues, had a decent role here in week two, not necessarily in terms of like volume, you know, carries targets, but his usage, 42% snap share, 38% opportunity share. I think the most notable thing about this Bears backfield is that Deonta Foreman was a healthy scratch, which, you know, week one, it was kind of like a three-headed committee with Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson and Deonta Foreman with Foreman being a healthy scratch kind of turned into a two-man committee here. So I think uh, Roshan Johnson's going to have the opportunity to continue carving out a larger role. And I really wouldn't be surprised if over like the back half of the season, he, uh, you know, could be operating as the running back one for the Bears. And then moving over to some more running backs here, went over five, you know, there's just a lot of interesting options. I have Ty Chandler. He's only rostered in 4.6% of leagues. He's currently uh, operating as the running back two behind Alexander Madison. But to be honest, man, Alexander Madison has not been great to start off this season. The appeal was that he was going to step right into that Dalvin Cook role. And in previous years, when Dalvin Cook would go down with injury, Madison would step in. He would have a huge workload. He would produce. Alexander Madison has not looked good through two weeks. He's had 19 carries. Um, averaging 3.3 yards per carry, 10 targets, six receptions for only 21 yards. So I just struggled to see the Vikings continue to kind of force feed Alexander Madison when he's been inefficient. Like if you're going to force feed a running back and they can maintain efficiency and, you know, they're the best option for you to be giving all these touches to, it makes sense to give guys huge workloads, but it really doesn't make sense to give an inefficient running back a huge workload because you're just making a not so great running back, you know, carry more opportunities and then get more tired. So I just don't think it makes sense. I think Ty Chandler is going to be getting more and more involved and maybe he just straight up takes over at the RB1 spot for Madison. But even if he doesn't, I think he's going to work his way into this backfield and is definitely someone who could be on waivers, um, you know, even in larger leagues or more competitive formats. So definitely someone to kind of keep an eye on there for the uh, Vikings. Then we have Jalen Warren uh, rostered in around 41% of leagues, pretty much the Najee handcuff with solid weekly usage. Haven't seen him play it this week, but someone who should definitely be rostered in pretty much every league, every normal sized league. Another handcuff, Elijah Mitchell, rostered in 43.9% of leagues, just the CMC handcuff. I think some people were expecting him to have some weekly usage. That has not happened. Like Christian McCaffrey has just dominated the touches in that backfield, but I would still have to imagine that Elijah Mitchell would be the running back one if uh, Christian McCaffrey did go down. Another kind of handcuff situation, Tank Bigsby, rostered in 24% of leagues. He kind of had a reduced role in week two, but I'd still view him as Travis Etienne's handcuff if something were to happen to Etienne. Obviously on a solid offense, very valuable position. And then the final running back here is going to be Jerome Ford, rostered in under 10% of leagues. He's just going to be the uh, Nick Chubb handcuff. So another guy with some upside if an injury occurs. Now shifting over to the wide receiver position, I feel like I got to start it out with Tutu Atwell here, rostered in 30% of leagues. When we saw both Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell put together solid week one performances, 
I'll admit like I was much more confident that the Puka one was legit compared to Tutu Atwell. Um, just because it was his first game for uh, Puka, you're like, wow, if you can do that in your first NFL game, you probably, you know, have some juice moving forward. Tutu Atwell hasn't necessarily been involved, you know, prior to week one this season. So I was skeptical, but he comes back here in week two, targeted nine times, catches seven of them for 77 yards. That was after going six for 119 in week one. So I think with Cooper Cup out, he's someone who, you know, could be playable as like a wide receiver three flex option. Something just feels weird about like actually going into your lineup and starting Tutu Atwell. But through two games, he's been very involved and has put up really solid production. So definitely someone who should be rostered in more leagues. Now, the next guy here is going to be Tank Dell. Pretty excited to be talking about one of these uh, rookies rostered in under 5% of leagues. And uh, we saw Noah Brown go on IR, which really just opened up a starting wide receiver spot. Tank Dell stepped right in, had an 82% raw participation, targeted 10 times, caught seven of them for 72 yards and a touchdown. Pretty much the moral of the story here is that when these rookie wide receivers show us some flashes, they start to break out. You want to buy into them. You want to snag them off of waivers because they can continue to kind of expand their role and end up being really solid options for you, especially in the back half of the season. So Tank Dell flashed here in week two. We'll see if he's able to build on that moving forward. The next wide receiver is going to be Tyler Boyd. He dropped below 50% um, ownership on ESPN. He's currently at 47%. I think he's someone who is a potential flex play in great matchups, you know, where they're probably going to put up a ton of points. And then he also has some upside if Chase or Higgins go down, where he can kind of step into that wide receiver two spot. Probably not available in more competitive leagues, but, you know, maybe he was dropped after a uh, kind of slow week one start. The next wide receiver is going to be Josh Reynolds, rostered in under 5% of leagues. Not someone I was super high on heading into the season, but he's put together back-to-back strong performances in week one and week two. Week one, targeted seven times, caught four of them for 80 yards. Week two, targeted six times, caught five of them for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Don't know if Josh Reynolds is someone who I'd, you know, want to play consistently, but the Lions do need a wide receiver too to step up. He's been that guy. We'll see if he's able to kind of continue that moving forward. Then we have Rashid Shahid, who's rostered in 24.1% of leagues. He's playing tonight, so we didn't get to see his uh, week two performance, but he had a great week one. He is playing clear wide receiver three snaps, but I do think he has the opportunity to kind of build on that role or also just take advantage of an injury, whether it's Chris Olave or Michael Thomas, he could step up into solid, you know, starter wide receiver snaps. Now, the last chunk of these wide receivers are going to be pretty focused in on some younger options, mainly rookies. The first one is going to be Jonathan Mingo, uh, rostered in 15% of leagues. Uh, We didn't see him play here in week two yet. He's going to be playing tonight, but he had a full-time role in week one. Didn't really do anything with it, but in a wide open wide receiver room, not a ton of talent on that roster. You know, the wide receiver position, you got Thielen, Chark, um, Terrace Marshall, like he will have every opportunity to break out and be involved. Not saying it's going to happen, but he will have the opportunity, which, you know, for some guys is all you kind of need. The next guy is going to be Jaden Reed, rostered in 13.4% of leagues, targeted eight times in week two, caught four of them for 37 yards and two touchdowns. He'll need a 64% snap share, um, but that could improve. The Packers are kind of doing this thing where they're not playing. They're like non-Christian Watson wide receivers, really like a ton of snaps. Like, I don't know if any of their wide receivers have broken 70% raw participation through two weeks. Obviously, Christian Watson is missing time. I would have to assume that Christian Watson would be locked into wide receiver one snaps, but the rest of them, they're kind of just like 
you know, battling for, uh, you know, some routes here. But Jaden Reed is definitely interesting, you know, putting together that type of performance in your second career game. That's encouraging. Definitely someone we should uh, be looking out for moving forward. And I do think at some point the Packers are kind of going to make a stand on these wide receivers. You know, if it's Watson as the number one, it'll probably be Reed or Dobbs as the number two. And both of those guys are kind of live to uh, take over that wide receiver two spot. Next up, we've got another rookie, and that's going to be Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims was someone I was pretty high on heading into the draft. Um, liked him as kind of like a late round sleeper. Only rostered in 7.5% of leagues. The stat line looked nice. You know, the fantasy production looked nice. Caught two passes for 113 yards and a touchdown. The problem is he only ran six routes. So he was barely out on the field. Um, I guess he made the most of them. At this point, he's definitely not someone who's like playable week to week, but we just saw him flash, you know, a pretty solid performance. So we'll see if he'll be able to build on that moving forward. Another guy kind of in a similar boat here is going to be Jalen Hyatt, uh, rostered in under 5% of leagues, two receptions, 89 yards, two big plays, but he only ran uh, 12 routes for the Giants. So I do think Hyatt has some room to kind of improve on this role because the Giants wide receiver room is pretty weak. Like I think they probably do want him to kind of expand his role here. It's definitely possible. So another player to kind of keep an eye on here may want to pick him up before he really starts to kind of break into that wide receiver room. And then the final pickup here, just going to have him here pretty much every week until he is unsuspended. Jamison Williams rostered in 16.9% of leagues. I talked about uh, Josh Reynolds and how that wide receiver two role is kind of important and it's been productive. I think Jamison Williams has a decent case to kind of slide in there to that wide receiver two spot once he is back and with the team. Um, obviously, he didn't really do anything in year one. The reports in the offseason hadn't been great, but very talented. He was their first round pick. So someone who definitely should be rostered in more leagues. Now shifting over to the quarterback position, only going to talk about two players here. Going to start it off with Matthew Stafford, rostered in 29.7% of leagues. And straight up, Matthew Stafford has looked really strong through two weeks. Um, I think last year we looked back at the Rams. They were rough. Stafford had the injury concerns. It was like, yikes, like, is this kind of like the end of Matthew Stafford here? Is he starting to fall off? Um, and I really thought that with no Cooper Cup, this offense could really look rough here early on in the season. But week one, we saw him go out, drop 30 on the Seahawks. Um, then in week two, they put up 23 points against the very, very tough 49ers defense. So this offense looks legit. Um, I, I'd say he had like one really bad interception here against the 49ers. But other than that, he looked really solid through two picks. But one of them, I'm pretty sure Kyron Williams just like popped it into the air. It was a really rough drop. So he played well against one of the best, if not the best defense in the NFL. His fantasy numbers don't look crazy because he only has one passing touchdown through two games, um, but he has back-to-back 300-yard passing performances. If uh, Stafford gets cut back here like in week five or week six, sometime in there, I do think he's someone who could become like a legit weekly starter. He's played well with you know pretty much unknown weapons. So once he does get his stud wide receiver one back, very interesting moving forward. And then the second quarterback is going to be Jordan Love, uh, rostered in 39.6% of leagues with no Christian Watson in week one or week two, and then no Aaron Jones here in week two. Love has still managed to throw three touchdowns in back-to-back -back weeks. I wasn't a huge believer in Jordan Love coming into the season, but I definitely think he's someone worth keeping an eye on. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up like that crazy touchdown efficiency, but getting Watson back, getting Aaron Jones back, this offense definitely does become a little interesting. 
um, here for Jordan Love. Now, shifting over to the tight end position, I still think there are some really strong tight end pickups that could be on waivers. We're going to start it off with Sam Laporta, just made the cut here, rostered in 49.2% of leagues. Great week two, 84% snap share, six targets, five receptions, 63 receiving yards. He's very involved. His usage is great. And not only is he out there running routes, but he's also converting it into production. And this was his second NFL game. I think Laporta will be a great option moving forward. Then we've got Hunter Henry um, rostered in 33.9% of leagues. He upped his route participation in week two, 91%, targeted seven times, caught six of them for 52 yards and a touchdown. He put up 16.6 PPR points in week one and then 17.2 here in week two. He's kind of become like a nice safety blanket for Mac Jones, one of his favorite targets. So I think Hunter Henry has kind of become a pretty solid start for fantasy moving forward. Another guy who's kind of entering that range is going to be Zach Ertz. His route participation did fall in week two down to 71%. I want to say he was in the 90s in uh, week one, but he was still targeted eight times, caught six of them for 56 yards. He's been targeted 18 times through two weeks. So definitely someone who should be considered as like a weekly fringe tight end one play. Um, The next tight end is going to be Luke Musgrave, rostered in 16.8% of leagues. Didn't have a crazy stat line two receptions for 25 yards, but he ran the most routes for the Packers for the second straight week, had an 86% route participation. Even though the numbers weren't great, that type of usage is very encouraging. And as a rookie, you would expect him to kind of build on that uh, throughout the season. And you also think he's not at risk of like losing out, you know, on routes with uh, Christian Watson coming back in. You would think that would be the uh, wide receivers there. And then the final tight end here, Jawan Johnson, rostered in 33.2% of leagues. Great week one usage. Didn't necessarily have a crazy performance, but the usage was solid. We'll see what he does here tonight on uh, Monday Night Football. And then the final position, the defenses. I have three streaming options for you guys. Starting off with the Seahawks, uh, rostered in 5% of leagues, going up against the Panthers. Panthers looked rough in week one. The Seahawks defense hasn't looked all that great, but you're kind of playing the matchup by going up against a rougher offense. Then we have the Jaguars, a roster in 12.7% of leagues, held pretty tough against the Chiefs here in week two. They go up against the Texans, pretty nice matchup there. And then we have the Chiefs, uh, they just held tough against the Jaguars, just played each other, um, rostered in under 10% of leagues, and they go up against the Bears, whose offense looks, I mean, pretty lost at this point. So those are going to be three of the interesting uh, streams. I don't think it's a great week for like streaming defenses. A lot of the top defenses have pretty solid matchups. So unfortunate there, but you know, here are a few that probably are available on waivers. So that is going to wrap it up for my top waiver wire targets heading into week three. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the video. If you did, um, hit that like button, check out my buy low trade targets and my sell high trade targets. Uh, those should be up sometime today, but thank you all for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.